Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. If you open up with me and your Bibles today, to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll give you a second to turn to it there. We're going to start with verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds might be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches any other Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. You may be seated. This morning, I want to go through these verses here uh, uh, piece by piece of this uh, today. And I hope to, um, as we look at this together, we'll be challenged, that I'll be challenged, that you'll be challenged as we walk throughout the rest of this week and this coming week and and then the, and the, and the weeks and the days and the months to follow because I believe that this is an important word for this time. The book of 2 Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church, the church of Corinth, and uh, he, what's happened here is that uh, some uh, false prophets, some false teachers have come to the church, and this wasn't unusual for the churches at this time. Paul had to address false prophets and false teachers. Peter had to address false prophets and false teachers, uh, you know, many times because they would come in after the church had been established and after Paul had left and moved on to the next place where he was uh, ministering the gospel, false teachers and false prophets would come in and they would claim to have some sort of apostolic authority and they would claim to have the authority of the Jerusalem church and uh, the, which was kind of the hub uh, at this time and they would they would come in and they would share lies. Now uh, many times those lies would be in the form of trying to convert the, the, the these new Christians, these Gentiles and make them follow uh, Judaism, the, the, the uh, law, uh, the old law, and to convert and be circumcised. But in the case here, we're not quite sure what uh, the uh, false teachers were teaching. Uh, Paul doesn't go into detail. He doesn't call them Judaizers, which is, uh, was a term to describe folks like that who were coming in trying to uh, convince uh, the, the, the new Christians that they needed to convert essentially to Judaism to be saved, to really be saved, to be circumcised, to follow all the traditions and all of those things. We don't know for sure what the false doctrine was that was being taught or brought into this church, but we know that it was enough that the Apostle Paul felt like he had to address it. In fact, uh, these false prophets that were coming in 
They were actually attacking Paul's credibility. And if you look, and, and, and I didn't want to take all the time to read it this morning, but if you look at the previous chapter, you'll see that Paul was defending himself as an apostle, right? And explaining to them, uh, and, he, and he's pointing out the hypocrisy of these false prophets. And he even goes on to say these false teachers and how they're coming in and they're saying, you know, that uh, comparing themselves to each other and, and being all proud and boastful because of the standard that they were preaching of whatever this false doctrine that they were presenting. And they were uh, esteeming each other great in each other's eyes, right? Comparing each other. And, 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 and they were all prideful and arrogant and boastful. And, and uh, Paul is, you know, uh, appealing to them and saying, that, you know, that I loved you and I cared for you. And he's, you know, basically laying out his credentials as an apostle. Because they were attacking him and his apostleship. And so here he says in verse 1, Oh, that you would bear with me and a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me. And the folly he's talking about is he's talking about the fact that he was defending himself and his apostleship. And you and I must be on the lookout, not just in our local church, but in the church as a whole for false teachers. For people who come and seem like they have it all together. They seem like they have the right authority. They seem like they've got all the boxes checked. They've got the degrees. They've got the support of people. They've got these things that make them look like they're qualified to present a message on behalf of Christ. But they are false teachers. And even though they come in and present themselves at first as if they are presenting the gospel, they twist it and they distort it and they end up corrupting the church. The Bible says that in the last days that people's ears will begin to itch for stuff that makes it feel good. Right? You ever have a scratch or an itch that you can't reach? And you try to scratch, I have to tell my, my wife, Honey, can you scratch my back? I can't reach it, right? I can't get to that spot. You, you know what I'm talking about? You, get, you have itching ears, meaning you're listening for something that satisfies you personally. So rather than looking for the truth, you're looking for something that, itch, that, that scratches the itch. You know what I'm saying? Right? And so you're looking for something that makes you, we're, we're looking for something that makes us feel good, or we're looking for something that confirms that what we want to hear, that gives us affirmation of what we want to hear, our lifestyle, our choices, the things that we've done. We've got engineers, and so we're looking for someone to tell us that how we're living is okay, even if it's contrary to what the gospel of Jesus Christ teaches, right. to what Christ taught, to what God has stated in his word. We're listening for justification of our sin. And the church is doing that as well. And you see it happening, and it has progressively gotten worse over the last decade and a half. Right. And I mean, in the last in the last eight years or so, I mean it has really ramped up. The last eight to ten years, it is a snowball really quickly. And the fact that our society and even people in the church are being deceived by false teachers. Right? right? Now, if you look, Paul says here, I'm jealous for you with godly jealousy. Now, this isn't a, a bad jealousy. What he's saying is, I'm protective of you. Right. I love you. I care about you. I want to protect you. So he's talking to them and telling them these things and correcting this. 
because he loves them and he cares about them. He wants to protect them. He's jealous of them. He loves them like his children, right? Those of you who have kids, you have kids, why do you correct them? Not because you're wanting to be mean. You don't correct them and tell them what they're doing is wrong because you're just hateful. You're correcting them because you love them and you care about them and you want to see them make the best choices and the best decisions. You have a vested interest. You're jealous for them. Right. You want to protect them. And when the world begins to have an influence on them or they have ungodly relationships, unhealthy relationships, they develop unhealthy attachments to things that you know are wrong and sinful, you, it hurts you as a parent. Right. And that's how Paul felt about his, these churches that he founded. He loved every single member of the church. He loved the church. He loved the people. And he hated to see them coming in and these teachers or these false teachers and these false People coming in and claiming to be from God and was destroying what God had built. Why? Because he says here that I would present you, I betrothed you to one husband. That's Jesus Christ. We are the bride of Christ. I betrothed you to Jesus, one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Meaning, through the gospel that I preach, you are saved. And you became a member of the body of Christ, and you are the bride of Christ, and you are to be presented to Christ clean and white as snow. Don't allow these uh, false teachers to come in your midst and convince you that what you knew and believed and confessed was somehow not enough or a lie. So Paul's jealous of, of, for them. He's protective of them. When a pastor or a teacher, a preacher, preaches the hard truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's not usually because now there are those who do preach it judgmentally and hatefully and angry, but your typical pastor, your typical preacher, your typical evangelist, they preach the gospel because they love you. Amen. They preach the truth because they know there's a real hell. And that if you don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, you're going to spend eternity there. I'm going to spend eternity there. That there's a real place where there's damnation and destruction of people will be tormented for all eternity. If they do not turn to Christ and call upon him as Lord and Savior, so we preach the message. Because we believe the truth that there is a heaven to, or a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. Yes, amen. Right? Not because we're mean, not because we're angry. It's the preacher, the teacher. He doesn't preach because he's mad, because he's angry at you, because he wants to sound superior. He preaches because he's humble and he loves and he's jealous for you. He wants to protect us, love us. He's protecting those whom God has given him care for. Right. So when they preach the gospel and they preach the truth of God's word, even if it's contrary to how we're living and what we want to believe and what we want and what we want to experience in our life or our experience in our life. When they preach the gospel and the truth of God's word and it hurts, it's not being done so out of a selfish ambition or anger. It's being done so out of love. Right? So look for any time that you are watching or listening to preachers on the radio or watching them on TV or to whatever church that you are a part of, 
check the pastor and make sure that when the pastor or the teacher teaching Sunday school, whatever position they're in, that's bringing forth the word. They're doing so with passion, but with love and conviction. They're not just angry. They're not just yelling. They're not just right beating you over the head with the word of God, but they're presenting God's truth in love. I've always liked to say that compassion is passion tempered with love. Be passionate, but allow your passion to be tempered with love. That's how us pastors need to act. And those who are in authority who teach the word of God to be compassionate, to show love, to share the truth and love. Yes. But always share the truth. Yes. Never back down from the truth. Verse 3. But I fear lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Just as the enemy, the devil, disguised himself as a serpent in the Garden of Eden and presented himself to Eve at a vulnerable moment, that's what the false teachers were doing. They were disguising themselves, entering directly into God's church and beginning to deceive people with a false doctrine, a false gospel. Paul is clear when he states here as that Eve was deceived, right? When Satan approached Eve in the garden, he tricked her. Now, people, preachers talk about that she, he tempted her with the pride of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, right? It looked good, she wanted it, and it would make her different or better. That's what Satan's temptations were to her. Look, she said the fruit was good to the eyes. She said, I want that fruit to eat of it, that's lusting. And she convinced her that it would make her like God. No things that God had held back from her. He deceived her tricked her into believing that God loved. He deceived her and tricked her into believing that somehow that God either misspoke or she misunderstood. Right? What happens to Christians over time if they do not ground themselves in the truth of God's word as the word becomes hazy? There's a fog over it when you do not ground yourself and so when someone like the serpent comes in, they start to tell you maybe you forgot exactly what it says. God didn't really say that, or he didn't really say it that way. And so with their words of that sound wise and sound so intelligent and with their vast intellect, they convince people that God either was wrong or that you misunderstood. And what happens is, is because we are not spending time alone with God. We're not chasing, uh, spending time and, and following after the leading of the Holy Spirit. We're not spending time in his word. We are easily deceived right. because the word fades from memory. Right. And the devil convinces us with a mist over it almost, right? What happens when you see something over time, you forget it, right? Right? So if you don't constantly see something, you'll eventually forget what it looks like. My dad died when I was 10 years old. 
I have a image of him in my mind, right? But it's hazy. I have to go look at pictures to really remember what he looked like. I have a thought of what his voice was like, but I, I, I can't really remember what it sounded like. Do you, does that make sense? Because over time, things become distorted if you do not refresh it. Over time, God's word could be distorted if you are not reading it and consuming it. And Eve, over time, allowed herself to be convinced by Satan that maybe she misunderstood God. And she was deceived. And these false teachers come into the church today and they are counting on Christians to not know the word. They're counting on immature Christians to not know what God's word says. They're counting on immature Christians who uh, they're counting on immature Christians who are blown away by their big words. Well, the Greek says this, and the Hebrew says this, and the Aramaic says this, and this is that context. And they're blown away by the vast intelligence of these folks without actually researching it for themselves, without studying it for themselves. And what happens is because they're mesmerized by a teacher or a preacher, but they never actually take the time to study God's word themselves, they eventually are actually led astray from the gospel to a pseudo-gospel. And we are convinced and become deceived and begin to believe what God called sin is actually okay. And we justify it. When God clearly states in his word, and we believe Genesis to Revelation, not just the red words, even though the red words are very much important, and the, you know, the red letters are critical, and Jesus you know, did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law, right? We believe it, that it's inspired word of God from beginning to end. Yes. The good, the bad, the ugly. Right? Right? So even the stuff I don't agree with was still God's word. Right. Amen. Is still God's word. Yeah. Even though I'm fat, God says gluttony is a sin. I don't like that, but it is. Right. Right? Right? It makes me uncomfortable. It makes me feel guilty. It makes me feel shame. But it doesn't change the truth of God's word. It's why I continue to struggle with my weight. It's why I'll lose 30 or 50 pounds and put it back on. I struggle. It's a constant struggle for me going back and forth, back and forth. I struggle because I know it is sin. I don't like to be told that gluttony is sin because why? I'm a glutton. When you're living in sin, you don't want to hear the truth of God's word, and you want someone to come by and tell you that what you're doing is okay. Yeah. Right? What you're, how you're living, the decisions that you're making, even though they're contrary to God's word, they're giving you some justification, or giving me, or giving the people in the body of Christ some justification as to why it's okay. And because we have itching ears, we want to hear what we want to hear. Right. Not what's truth, we're easily led astray. Right. And we have a generation of young people who are growing up, and we have a generation of people who are becoming parents now who have been brought up to believe that everything's okay as long as it makes you feel good. Right. Every relationship's okay as long as it fulfills you and meets your physical needs. Casual sex is okay because it makes you feel good. You need it, right? 
uh, alcohol and, and getting drunk. Getting drunk is okay because it makes you feel good. Drugs are okay because they make you feel good, right? Fornication, adultery. We live in a society where all of these things are now being accepted, even though in the Word of God it says that they are wrong. Right. Because we have been deceived. Even in the church, they are deceived. And preaching the truth of God's Word of what is right and what is wrong has become unpopular. Right. Because it hurts. And no one likes to be told that what they're doing is wrong. No one likes that. No one. We have, we, we've, we have kids right now, my son's generation, who are growing and having, having kids right now, right? That they came from a generation where their parents blamed every authority figure in their life for every problem that they had instead of making them take responsibility for themselves. How we wonder why our world is in the state that it's in today. And they're teaching their kids that. Right. It's everybody else's fault. Do what makes you feel good. Right? That's why we're in the state in this world that we're in today. Right? It's because we have had a multiple generations now of people being raised that whatever you do, your truth is your truth. There is no absolute truth. And when you have no absolute truth, you have what we have in the world today. Right. No standard. And when you try to introduce a standard, you get mocked. Yep. Right? And that's what's happening. And it's because we've allowed false teachers and false doctrine to enter into our churches, and the church is no longer salty. Mm. It's lost its flavor. Wow. And the Bible says when a salt loses its flavor, it's nothing, the only value to it is to be thrown on the ground, to be stamped, trampled on by men. The church has lost its saltiness. Wow. And we've been deceived. Even people who love God with all of their heart, we've been deceived into believing that this is just the way that it is. We've been deceived into believing that we're just going to come and sit on the pews and hear the word preached, right? We don't consider ourselves following after, you know, we're, we're, we're living our lives and we love God and we're following after God, but the devil has deceived us to just be quiet, right? To not share the gospel, to just come and sit on the chair, to just sit on the pews, to just go to work, to just live our lives, but to not actually uh, exit out of our comfort zones to share the truth of God's word. We're not salty anymore. What good is salt if you leave it in the salt shaker unopened? I can take salt and set it next to my steak, but if I never put the salt on the steak, guess what? The steak stays unsalted. You and I have got to make sure that we sprinkle ourselves into the world to counteract the false doctrine and the false teaching that is becoming more and more and more prevalent. Right? Yeah. Right? Listen, guys. We preach science. There's, all we've heard for a year and a half and almost two years now is what? Science, science, science. Yet we're saying there are 50-some genders. Right. <laughs> right. That's good. Biologically, according to science, there's two genders. Mm -hmm. 
male and female. When I go to the doctor, I don't want to be treated like a non-binary. <laughs> Treat me like I'm a male, because I need the medicine and the treatment that goes along with a male's body, right? But we have allowed ourselves to be deceived to we feel, right, that people are acting this way and they're literally suffering in some cases from a known disorder called gender dysphoria, but we are encouraging that behavior and it's wrong. And all we're doing is hurting a whole generation. We are destroying what God defined as marriage. And yes, I'm talking about marriages between a man and a woman, but it's not just about homosexual or same-sex marriage. It's also about sex outside of marriage. It's about fornication. It's about adultery. Adultery isn't even looked down upon anymore. Right? Well, you know, divorce is, you know, encouraged. Well, we're not telling that. We're talking the other day when we got married, even though we were young, we decided divorce was not going to be in our vocabulary. It was never going to be an option, right? So even during all the very tough times that we had, the first several 10 years of our marriage, it wasn't like it was only a couple of years of uncomfortable and hardened. It was like the first 10 years of our marriage learning to live together and learning to grow together. But you know what? Divorce was never an option. And so therefore, we were talking the other day, we wouldn't have gotten to the great part of marriage if we had given up on the hard part of marriage. So when we talk about marriage and God's standard for marriage, it's not just man and woman, it's all the other things that we've allowed into the church. Right. We allow divorce and don't preach against it. We aren't doing marriage counseling. Yeah. Right? We're not doing the things as a body of Christ to support those who are hurting, who are suffering. Listen. Understand, if you're being abused sexually, you're being abused physically, you're being abused mentally, right? That's not what I'm talking about. If you're being abused in those ways, get out. But if it's simply, well, I don't love you anymore, that's unacceptable. That's right. And that's where we are today. Mm -hmm. We are to a place because I don't feel good anymore. You don't make me feel good anymore. Uh, I want to get that fulfillment somewhere else. Right? Thank goodness my wife doesn't look at me and go, boy, you don't look like you did when you were 18 years old. I'm going to go find myself somebody else. But that's what we do. Right? And that's why our society is continuing to deteriorate. I mean, there are standards in God's word that are there for a reason. Right. We're all against rape culture, which is a sin. Right? Rape is wrong. It's a sin. Do you know what else is a sin? Provocative behavior and dress. Mm. Yeah. It's a sin. Mm -hmm. Right? So if you're going out and provocatively trying to seduce as a man or as a woman, you're sinning. If you are dressing in a way that is not honoring to God, but is to garner the attention of someone of the opposite sex so that they will lust after you, that's right. sin. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. No advance or much about it, right? Yeah. That's sin. Rape culture is wrong. Raping somebody is wrong. It is a sin. They deserve to be punished to the fullest extent of the law if you rape somebody. So understand, that's not what I'm talking about. And it'll, I don't want my words to be twisted. But I'm also saying we have a personal responsibility to not put ourselves in situations 
where we would take a drink of something that would drug us, to cause us to be taken advantage of. We have to take some personal responsibility. Now, I, I, I don't, again, I'm so afraid of my words being twisted and, and people getting angry at me. But I, 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 the, the idea of personal responsibility in our lives is gone. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't rub myself down with fresh meat and walk into a jungle full of lions and then get mad at the lions for having dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. Amen. So I'm not going to walk into an environment where there is sin, any sin, and get mad when the sin gets on me and blame the other people around me. Right. But we do that in the church. Mm-hmm. Right? We do that in the church. So any sin, if I walk into that environment of sin and people who are sinners are sinning around me, I can't get upset when I get caught up in their sin. And parents, we have to teach our children and parents to be. you got to teach your children personal responsibility. Yeah. That is the, probably the greatest false doctrine that has been introduced into our churches today. Amen. Is that parents thought they were helping their children when in fact they were actually giving excuses to their children and hurting them. Right? Mm-hmm. right? And we've got to be careful with that. We've got to watch out for the false doctrine, the false teachers that come up in our churches, in our society, that tell us anything that is contrary to what God's word, the standard that he set. If it goes against God's word, you cannot justify it as being okay. That's right. We can't. You either believe it's true or you don't. And if you don't believe that it's true, then what are we doing here? Right? Because here's the thing. We can say, well, I'm just going to take the New Testament. I'm not going to worry about Deuteronomy. And I'm not going to worry about any of those other things. The New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is telling us why the New Testament was necessary. Right? So just because we don't like what's being said in the Old Testament, right, doesn't mean we can just get rid of it. The New Testament is a fulfillment of the Old Testament. And all of the sins mentioned in the Old Testament are still mentioned in the New Testament by somebody. Right? And we don't, we don't, aren't afforded the privilege to say, well, Jesus didn't say that specifically, so therefore it's not wrong. We're just, we either believe it's all right or none of it's right. You can't take what you, right? If I gave you an instruction manual on how to put a models together, and then the instruction manual turned out to be wrong in the middle, would you be able to finish your model? Would you be able to finish your project? Could you put that table together if suddenly in the middle the told you the wrong steps? You'd have to throw the instructions away, would you not? You can't just keep the good stuff. You will never get the table built. The instructions are useless, right? So either we believe it all or we don't believe any of it. That's how it must be, black and white. There is no gray area when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. There's absolute truth. There's eternal truth. What God says is true. And what anything contrary that is uh, said, no matter how much you respect the person, love the person, if it is contrary to God's word, it is false. We've got, 
Be careful not to be deceived. Right. Amen. All right? I hope I am not taken the wrong way today, but I want just, I'm, I'm scared. I'm, I'm afraid. I'm jealous for you and for the body of Christ because we're being deceived at an alarming rate. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about morally and socially and our culture. This isn't about a political ideology because the truth is they're broken on the right and the left. Right? One side likes, they both like to hold up the Bible to prove their points and they forget everything else that goes against what, you know what I'm saying? So this is a politics. This is a social, spiritual issue in our lives and in our country and in our world. Yes. We got to keep our eyes open and not be deceived. Mm -hmm. Let us see. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach a loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.